Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hangouts and Headlines, December 22nd, 2022. There's a lot of, a lot of twos in the date this morning, and it's a Thursday. It really should be a Tuesday, I think. But in any event, how's everybody doing? I'm sorry I'm a few minutes late this morning. As folks that were following the channel know, the Thabto, Two Hogs Are Better Than One, episode of the best games of the year, 2022, which had previously had a maximum length of about three hours actually went to four and a half last night. And so, well, we're all, we're all getting up. Like we watched a late night college football game. Uh, so we've got a fun story to talk about today, uh, or at least an interesting one about facial recognition, AI, the rights of private entities to keep people out. If they so choose where that should be suspended, all sorts of fun things on a legal and philosophical question. Uh, but for right now, we're hanging out. It's the early stages here. How's everybody doing? Did you watch any of the episode last night? It's a it's a lot of fun. Had a great time. Uh, Ian Runkle of the Bailey came in for big chunks of time to really just try to take my legs out from under me. So that was pretty enjoyable. If you didn't catch any of that, uh, hopefully we're going to get an edited clip of some of Ian's more rambunctious moments. Uh, as a lot of people suggested that we do that and put that on the channel because he was very animated last night. Uh, but uh, we had a great time, talked a lot about a lot of different video games. I think we wound up talking about about 50 of them this year. So for those of you that asked me and say, hey, Rick, what would you recommend this year? What would you recommend that I play? We've got a lot of choices for you in a lot of different genres. Uh, and honestly, I had to cut about 10 or 15 games out of uh, even the honorable mention list that would still be worthy of play this year. Uh, so check out that video. Uh, I'm really happy with it. I'm always glad to have people introduced to my brother, who's one of my favorite people on earth. And so I highly recommend checking it out. Even if you don't love video games, it's a lot of fun conversation uh, between uh, two people who, you know, mostly like each other, but act like brothers a lot. So if you like that, if that sounds good, check out that video. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do like uh, people. Uh, was it was it Secret Mix Squirrel here in the chat? It just went by too fast here on the uh, on the stream yard. Somebody saying I would be miffed if you stayed in bed. Yeah, I would. I would certainly try to tell you. I mean, I, I just to be candid, I, I talked too much yesterday. Well, this is an ongoing theme this week. I talked too much yesterday, so my throat got a little irritated at me. Uh, kept me up a little bit last night, uh, but we're going to make it work. Absolutely. No worries. Hot Dog Man asking me questions about games in particular. Hey, I see you appreciate full motion video games. I do. Have you ever played Late Shift? I have. Uh, it's an FMV thriller where you have split seconds to make choices as the narrative progresses. Yeah, it's a bit of a... Um, British gangster suspense, one night in hell uh, type story. I recall liking it enough. Uh, there's there's a whole kind of cottage industry of what I would call kind of the cheap full motion video games where it's, it's a bit like those Netflix shows that have a choice uh, in them. Those are fine. I think those are interesting sometimes. It really does depend on the, the nature of the acting and the cinematography and things much closer to a movie than a video game in my experience. Um, but there are so many that are really awful that I've kind of not played them as much. Late Shift is not one of those. Late Shift is one that I like pretty much. But in that kind of vein, there are a number of those games um, that I, I don't love. <laughs> uh, so I, I have to be careful with those. The ones I chose to put on my list for 2022, I really liked for something other than just like the full motion video aspect of it. Uh, but it's uh, it's a good recommendation, the hot dog man. Uh, 
and thank you for making it. Uh, Late Shift is, is one of the good ones, and you can often get that one on sale. <laughs> Emily says, look, I had more important things to do. I watched the beginning, but I had to leave to watch Real Housewives. Emily D. Baker would be proud. Sorry, Hogue. Lol, I kept your stream going on my phone, though. Hey, <laughs> thanks for the engagement. I appreciate it. Uh, no, hey, I, I always recommend to people, if it's your leisure time, go spend leisure time how you want. I'm not going to be offended by that. Uh, I had a lot of fun with the stream, uh, but please don't worry. And you can let me know what's happening in the Real Housewives so I can impress Emily next time I'm on her channel. Uh, and I could just say something about a reference to somebody's earrings um, and she'll be impressed. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, but I'm, I'm glad you were watching at least a part. Heather says, Rick does give me big bro vibes. It's the capacity you take on, right? We all fall back into our habits. Uh, so if I'm on a stream with my little brother, uh, that's how it's going to be. Of course, Ian came in there on uh, on Team Little Brother, and that was uh, that was fun. That was fun. That was uh, that was interesting. We haven't had a, a show uh, devolve into uh, me being fought directly against for my number one game of the year, but it was uh, it was amusing. I, I think it was a good time. Uh, what else we got here? Hanging out. Good afternoon, Mrs. Hoglaw says. Aaron, Emily just said. It, Emily uh, just says Salt Lake City. All right. Thank you, Emily Aaron's calling in from Salt Lake City, hanging out in Salt Lake City. Don't know it's what you get when you come in for partial conversations here in this space. Crazy Cat Queen notices Gaming Dino is back. Is I can't quite get it to hang straight. So what I've done is I've tilted the camera a little bit. Pretty tricky, right? <laughs> uh, happy holidays from Houston. Happy holidays to you, Tia. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. What's the snow looking like there? It is not here yet, Donna but it's, it is coming. Uh, everybody expects there to be no school tomorrow. And yes, uh, my child's school did try to push to the 23rd of December, unlike a lot of other schools around the country. Uh, but uh, we, we think that tomorrow is going to be canceled. Undoubtedly, we have a weather warning that says uh, essentially do not travel from 7 p.m. Thursday to like 7 p.m. Saturday. So that's even in Michigan, that's an unusually aggressive weather warning. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, uh, but that's obviously going to put a, a crimp in some Christmas plans, uh, heading into the weekend. So we'll just have to play it by year, uh, but, uh, it isn't here yet. Uh, so we will, we will be evaluating as we go. And honestly, uh, Mrs. Hoglaw co-counsel has been keeping me up to date on all of that. Uh, so we will see indeed, uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's not going to be fun. Uh, we've got, uh, Heather saying my work sent notice yesterday of our base being closed. I think everybody's just kind of hunkering down. Uh, dancing beagle says, wasn't expecting a blizzard. Snow blowing everywhere is okay. In Oklahoma, this is not okay. The weather warning we got in Michigan seems to be mostly concerned about the blowing. Um, not, not a particularly large snow accumulation necessarily, uh, but a lot of blowing of snow, which can be as bad. For driving, certainly. Uh, so, Catherine, for a lawyer, there's nothing more wonderful for Christmas than a good argument. Black heart emoji. Huh. That might be. That might be. It was certainly amusing. Uh, it was entertaining. Uh, and uh, Ian brings it. We got some chat comments last night that were I really enjoyed. I, I don't know if people know this, but very often I try to go back through the chat that I would have missed, get a feel for how people are working or working with or not working with the content I produce. So I generally do that every time, including these. If I'm not responding to you right now, I might be looking at it in an hour and a half or what what have you. 
um, that uh, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people really enjoyed that kind of argument uh, and, and suggested that uh, uh, Ian should uh, be on more of those shows just yelling at me. And I think one of my favorite comments was, I've watched these guys all year and I've never seen this kind of passion from them while they're talking about one of these criminal cases or trials that we, we talked about Ian and Rick going at it on immortality was uh, one of the more exciting moments uh, of the evening. So it's, uh, it's fun. Um, and we still love each other. It, it, I, one thing about lawyers yelling at each other is I think it does get to a place where you're a little bit worried that there's emotionality or animosity there. There's most definitely not. Uh, and, uh, I, I said this to Ian in the post show. Uh, so we often talk after, after taping is done. I said, Oh no, you're not, I'm not going to take offense to anything like that. It is a okay. Don't you worry about it. Uh, but it was, uh, it was, it was a good time. Uh, and like I said, we're going to try to clip out some version of that. I am not a good editor. So we've got chinchilla working on that. Uh, who is awesome. And, uh, and we'll see. Akaruki says, I feel like someone could clip every time Runkle gets into it with Hogue over mortality. The throwing of the pen on Runkle's stream was great. just have a series of <laughs> Runkle coming in and yelling at me about immortality. He's enjoyed it for a good solid three or four months now. Uh, Sardinisms. I fell asleep during the discussion number seven. So maybe you answered this indirectly, but favorite weird game by Squeenix this year. Tactics over doesn't count for this. Uh, yes. I actually referenced the comment that you made, not by name Sardinisms about me having a love of weird square Enix games. Uh, there is one on the list. Uh, I will leave it at that. You can see. I think it's actually really close to seven. It might be six. Um, so if you missed it, it might be the very next thing you see on the videos. But there, there it is. There's definitely a Square Enix game there that I definitely got crap for uh, from both my brother. And I believe Ian was there to give me crap on that one, too. <laughs> so that was my evening. Uh, Jacob Novick, Opinion, Squanch Games, High on Life, should get hands-on and make a new concert for Xbox, maybe? Uh, so a lot of people really love High on Life, certainly. Uh, I'm not one of them, uh, but uh, it is doing very well on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, I don't like that kind of humor. So reasonable minds can differ on humor uh, and uh, what is good and what is not. A lot of people like it. I will leave them to like it. Uh, King of the Universe, Brit. Must, uh, Mother Nature better get with the program. I'm going to see the parental units this weekend. It is a 19-hour drive, and I'm not going to be happy if I get stuck in a blizzard. Oh, no kidding. Stay safe out there, Britt. Um, I wouldn't want to make a drive like that with all the weather reports uh, right now. So please do stay safe out there. I hope you can find a, a safe path through. Um, but uh, I, I will be thinking about you on that. So uh, get there safely. Have a good holiday. Uh, and for anybody else that's traveling this weekend, be careful. Stay safe. Um, and and uh, I'm... I, I'm this is Midwestern, right? I get criticized for this on the other streams I'm on. I was about to apologize for the blizzard. I did not cause the blizzard. And yet I feel sorry for the people that have to deal with it. I think that's where that apologetic comes from, from me. Uh, but do be careful. Do be careful. Abigail, I love lawyers because of their ability to not be offended by disagreement. Some of us <laughs> in an ideal world, you've got a reasonable minds can differ mindset and you understand that advocacy is just advocacy and that you can differ on things, even if they're important to you. Immortality is important to me. I think it's a very powerful story. I think it is well told. I would love to see it adopted by other portions of the video game industry. Uh, and, um, you know, the more Ian's that are out there, the less likely that is to happen. But 
everybody's entitled to their opinion, even as wrong as it might otherwise be. Right, Renkel? What can you do? Uh, Outbreak Podcast says, I work from home, so only a power outage would stop my day, LOL. Yeah, I think everybody, certainly with Christmas on Sunday, I think everybody here because of the timing is worried about what the power situation is going to be for freaking Christmas. Um, and that's an unknown. So with what's been reported, we're going to have some power outages. That's that's undoubtedly the case. Uh, I can only hope that it's not you know, awful. And uh, many props, many thanks to the the energy workers that are going to be out there on Christmas Eve and Christmas to try to bring power to people's homes, undoubtedly. Uh, so it, it's it's just not a perfect scenario. You, you if you were wishing for a white Christmas, you wished too hard. The the monkey paw has curled its finger uh, on that particular wish. But um, I am very thankful for the people that are going to be out there trying to make sure as many people as possible have a good Christmas. Midnight dreary. Real talk, Chinchilla's editing is so enjoyable. I agree completely. Um, I, I, I think some of you know this, but Chinchilla of Evidence had been doing BitCast um, clips and putting them up on Twitter. Uh, and I, I had liked them so much. I said, hey, look, uh, you know, do you want to talk about doing editing for the channel? And uh, they jumped on it and have been really great to work with so far. And the stuff they are putting out is fantastic. It's humorous. It's zippy. It's exactly what I was looking for. Uh, I, I highly recommend their work. Uh, and so uh, I'm very appreciative of it. And uh, they go through and they, they pull some of these things out, these moments out. And frankly, they make me look good or they make me look dumb, depending on what the what the purpose of the video is. But I absolutely love it. Conquer. Conquer. I think this is a reference to High on Life and its humor being similar to Conker's Bad Fur Day. I will tell you, I found Conker's Bad Fur Day uh, to be more enjoyable than High on Life. Now, I was younger then. Maybe that made a difference. Uh, but I just cannot stand Justin Roiland swear yelling at me as I try to make my way through a mediocre shooter. Reasonable minds can differ. So... They have uh, they have differed. I'm in the vast minority on this. It would appear. Uh, Sardism says, was it Centennial case then? That one isn't quite my speed of weird. Probably not adding it to my list, but it sounded interesting. Yeah, Centennial uh, case was my main Square Enix weird game. Square Enix had a sequence of weird games: uh, Centennial case, Diofield Chronicle, uh, and Valkyrie Elysium. Valkyrie Elysium, which is fine, uh, didn't even make my honorable mention. Uh, it, uh, Diofield Chronicle did. Uh, Dealfield Chronicle could have made my list, uh, but I just like the other 10 better. Uh, and then Centennial Case uh, is, I know it just sounds like a mystery game. It is significantly more weird than that. Uh, so I, I do recommend it to people, but it's going to be an acquired taste. Centennial Case, we really enjoyed in, in this house, especially me and my daughters. <laughs> uh, Akaruki, some lawyers don't differ as amicably as October proved. Uh, yes, there's there's a lot of bitterness often. That's not how I roll. I don't have a desire for conflict that some lawyers do. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, mostly you do hope that they can have a notion that says, yeah, this is a disagreement on facts. We have different premises, work differently for us, and we can come into an understanding and better grow as people and in our ability to talk with one another. Not always the case. <sighs> 
Uh, yes. Okay. Emily says, I have to drive four hours to see my parents in Northwestern Wisconsin, hoping by Saturday morning conditions will have improved. Yeah. I think if I understand like how the, how the front is moving, I think Wisconsin could be done by that period of time. I wish you the best of luck, Emily. I wish everybody traveling the best of luck. Uh, I'm fortunate in that, uh, the, the hogs are basically coming to me, uh, for, uh, for Christmas. So we'll see. We got the other aspect of power outages. How romantic Christmas by candlelight. Yeah, not generally a lot of romance going around when the whole family gets together. We'll see if we have to deal with no power. We'll be uh, we'll be on uh, Kindles that were charged or uh, trying to work the last bits of battery out of our phones or what have you. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm loving the shorts. B says fantastic editing. Couldn't agree more. They are fantastic. Chinchilla is doing a great job. My fantasy universe that I write in sometimes has a proverb of God's answer to prayers, but devils grant wishes. Ooh, I like it. Got to be careful. Got to be careful what you wish for. If you're wishing for a white Christmas. Hoag's face on a cartoon golf girl in a miniskirt is everything from Chinchilla. Thought they did a great job with that. They have a lot of fun with those. Um, and I have a lot of fun seeing them uh, come out. Absolutely. Uh, flew all day Tuesday. Easiest leg was from negative 40. Airports were crazy. Pack your patience, but I freaking made it home for Christmas for the first time in three years. Congratulations, Arctic Ginger. And I love this dog uh, the, on the uh, on the profile picture. Uh, congratulations. Very glad you got to where you're going. It's going to be one of those kinds of weekends for a lot of people, I think. So pack your patience is a good tip. What else we have here? People just hanging out. Ms. Hoglaw backing me up. Yes, Arctic Ginger. Have an amazing time. Papa Rick says, I fell asleep after Rick's number one last night. Ian would tell you he fell asleep during Rick's number one. Uh, but uh, good. You made it through all the lists, at least. And the final vote was something like 51% to 49%. People favoring Tom's list by a little bit uh, at the end. So that was uh, that was pretty cool towards the end uh, of, the, uh, of the stream. If you check the shorts on Hugs channel, all the recent ones are edited by Chinchilla. Uh, that's right. Everything that starts back up again in December. Uh, is chinchilla uh, and so you will you'll see those uh, everything that's a 60 second short because one of the things i asked of them was let's see if we can get some things in those tabs because youtube seems to like that um and uh, that format is worth exploring uh so one of the one of my favorite ones which isn't necessarily funny one of my favorite kind of notions that chinchilla did that i hadn't even asked for to just to talk about uh, how good they are was taking those long form live streams where I answer super chats uh, or other questions uh, in this case about Microsoft and Activision and extending that out to a 60 second short where it's just me answering questions really fast. And then Chinchilla does great with the editing to, um, you know, make me look charismatic uh, in my answers and puts music behind it. And it's just fantastic. But it's also, I just think a really good way to, to convey what this space is when, if you see what we're doing, uh, on a live virtual legality or even hangouts and headlines and you say i don't want to i don't want to watch it for an hour and a half i don't want to watch this thing for two and a half hours well what is he even doing in there it's just such a great way to be like this is this is the kind of content you get it's good substance if you like that uh then you know pop into the main videos uh, and so i think i think it's just a tremendous boon to the channel and i'm super happy uh that uh i found them so uh Thank you for everybody giving them compliments. I will try to relay that to them because I think they are well-deserved. Absolutely. The Wishmaster movies pop into mind, says Tia. 
There, I want to, I want to say it was called Wishmaster, but there was an old Infocom text adventure that had a, a rock that you you made wishes on uh, that uh, that did some good things and some bad things. Uh, that uh, I remember whenever I think of Wishmaster, because the old Infocom games, if you don't know, because you're not as old as me, and I don't blame you, uh, used to essentially have. Text adventure games, which are obviously just text, and then they would have the box full of what we would think of now as collector's edition stuff, right? So it would actually have a Wishmaster rock. It would actually have a item that you would get in a dungeon in one of the other games. It has things to feel and touch uh, that would be related to the game itself. I always loved those when I was a kid, and uh, yeah, we don't we don't get that anymore. We don't we don't even get instruction manuals usually anymore. It's mostly built around figured out. Go look at the controller screen. It's like, okay, I guess. But I miss instruction books. <laughs> uh, and uh, I do have the uh, I do have the, the chat going all over the place here with the um, with the stream yard. So just bear with me for a second here. Uh, we do have the store. I can see Mrs. Hogue Law, co-counsel, talking about the store in the chat. Lots of fun stuff there. Oh, it was called Wishbringer. Thank you, the hot dog man. Absolutely right. Wishbringer. And... Uh, yeah, it's been a long time since I've even thought about that. So it's fun to have those memories pop up, right? Be like, wow, when's the last time I thought about that game? So thank you, Hot Dog Man. That's awesome. Uh, those shorts act like a teaser trailer. I think they do. And I think the best way to kind of advertise this channel and what we do here is to have that kind of substance that you can at least see, you know, we're answering those questions and that it would be useful to you to maybe pop your head in. Uh, so we'll see how it goes, but for right now, I'm super thrilled uh, with what they've been doing. I, I, it also was useful. Um, I, I don't know how much inside baseball you guys want to get into here, uh, but operating a YouTube channel, it is clear that YouTube doesn't just like consistency, right? The, the, the simplest way that they tell you this, if you're getting into streaming or anything else is that you got to be constant. You got to have a schedule. You got to do those things. Yes, you do. That's right. Uh, but it also just doesn't like you not doing anything for even moderate periods of time. So I got sick last week, right? And so I knew I wasn't going to be able to even talk for four or five days. And honestly, if you listen to me on Monday, probably shouldn't have been streaming on Monday. So I only did three streams, right? You know how I am. Uh, and so one of the great things about having Chinchilla work on those things was that I was able to at least put a video up every day, even if it was just a short, even if it was nothing new, even if it wasn't doing anything specific, to essentially indicate to YouTube that I'm alive. It's like a proof of life button so that they don't just dip my algorithm, which is what happens when I go on vacation, for instance. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to continue to use those to just kind of continue to say, hey, the channel is here. You might see those on Sundays, uh, for instance, uh, because Sundays is the day I do the BitCast, so I'm worn out. I mean, like that's my, that's my streaming time for that day of the week. Uh, and uh, I might still put one up uh, on the channel then because uh, it, it helps tell the robots that I'm still around. Uh, so it's all sorts of little stuff. It's why you see me do virtual legalities and premieres. We're just testing what exactly the robot's like. Uh, and so uh, it, it's interesting to me. It might not be so interesting to you, uh, but it is It is wild. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, Monday was a quiet hoax streaming day. Uh, yeah, full NPR. Now we're only moderately NPR. We're gaining in strength. And honestly, my voice... There was another wonderful chat thread from the, the Thabto last night, which was, uh, well, Rick started off a bit quieter, uh, but as he uh, gets engaged uh, with Ian, uh, he's getting more to full strength 
uh, conflict powers him uh, and things along those lines. And it was pretty much similar to when I was covering the virtual legality earlier in the day for the lawsuit, which is starting a bit quieter, seeing if I can make it through a stream. And then by the time that lawsuit is saying absolute nonsense, I'm, you know, myself, I'm, I'm uh, dismissing it. I'm talking about why it's a problem for me, et cetera, et cetera, uh, in a way that's a little bit stronger. So on that note, let's take a look at this particular set of stories. So if you didn't see this, this kind of gained national news. Uh, this is CNBC. It's coming from an NBC report. That's why you see it in kind of the byline here. The NBC New York, which apparently is Channel 4. Never lived in New York myself. Uh, but NBC Channel 4. So they're going to use that in their reporting. We're going to just zip through here. NBC then also repurposes it for the Today Show. One of the things I, I find interesting about doing headlines is you can see how some of this stuff is kind of regurgitated at you in different venues. So this is the same story with a slightly different headline. Rolling Stone, where we're not going to read specifically, takes a different run at it. Madison Square Garden using fake uh, scanning tech to remove perceived adversaries, which is like really politicizing or at least philosophizing over what this story is about in an unusual way from Rolling Stone. And then by the time you get to The Verge, you actually get a much more circumspect headline than I'm used to from these guys, which is attorney says facial recognition got her kicked out of a rocket show. So you go from it happened to how dare it happen to The Verge, which is the latest of these coming in last night saying, well, OK, hold on. This is one person saying this. There isn't actually this thing to tie it directly together. Uh, and then we're going to go and do a deeper dive into that the fact that this actually is an ongoing story. This is not something new that just happened. It's just that a number of news outlets caught up to it kind of in arrears. Uh, so there's a bunch of fascinating things, both from the media perspective and from the substance perspective here. So let's just talk about it. So NBC reports, this is the CNBC version of this report, face recognition tech gets Girl Scout mom booted from Rockette's show due to where she works. Now, I hate this headline for a number of reasons, uh, one of which is that I this dash due to where she works. I To me, you've gone wrong if you haven't established what's going on in the in the sentence structure here. And you have this kind of pause break uh, here with with respect to the rest. You also get kind of the normal tricks when you're doing a story like this. Right. It's not just an attorney, by the way, who don't usually get credit. If you wanted to say this a different way, you could say Madison Square Garden kicks out attorney engaged in active litigation uh, against the, the company, right? Instead, you go with face recognition tech, which is generally speaking going to be people thinking about Skynet and Terminators, gets Girl Scout mom, Angel, Halo, booted from Rockettes show, just going to have a good time. Who could, who could begrudge a viewing of the Rockettes? Right, with the Rockettes, everybody's favorite Christmas family fair. Mine, by the way, is White Christmas, but there you go. Due to where she works, so I, I think this headline is terrible, but it does get the point across, I guess. Uh, and it's designed in its very nature to set you up tilted. Oh, this person was wronged, uh, and Madison Square Garden is is bad. Now you actually don't get a reference to Madison Square Garden here, but they're the ones responsible for being booted for, for, for directing the booting of the Rockettes show. And this is what we like to do in headlines, right? Is we like to analyze these things. And, and you can see this is structured to put you in a certain frame of mind right from the outset, right from the outset. So, you know, Girl Scout mom is probably the biggest tip off of like, 
oh, okay. You're trying to massage where I start thinking about this. And my reaction doesn't have to be yours is, uh-huh. Okay. I'm going to assume there's more to this story than this. And indeed there is. A recent incident at Radio City Music Hall involving the mother of a Girl Scout is shedding light on the growing controversy of facial recognition as critics claim it is being used to target perceived enemies, in this case, by one of the most famous companies in the country. I mean, okay, slow your roll, New York NBC Channel 4. Madison Square Garden is a recognizable company, is a recognizable uh, event venue, the actual Madison Square Garden, as is Radio City Music Hall. But one of the most famous companies in the country? I don't know. Maybe? Whenever you use the one of the one of the most locutions, uh, I always like to say, sure, absolutely true, as long as you make the list long enough. Kelly Conlon and her daughter came to New York City the weekend after Thanksgiving as part of a Girl Scout field trip to Radio City Music Hall to see the Christmas spectacular show. But while her daughter, other members of the Girl Scout troop, and their mothers got to go enjoy the show, that's presumptuous. We don't know how they felt about the show. Conlon wasn't allowed to do so. Okay. So at bare minimum, you get some backing. Girl Scout mom isn't just coming out of nowhere. They didn't do an interview and say, what is your most sympathetic position or role? They were on a Girl Scout field trip. So it's not the worst thing in the world to include that in the headline. Uh, but we are set up here with the kind of, and the reason I'm reading it that way is that the unsolved mysteries, we're going to put you in a frame of mind. Conlon wasn't allowed to do so. Why? That's because... To Madison Square Garden Entertainment, Conlon isn't just any mom. They had identified and zeroed in on her as security guards approached her right as he got into the lobby. Okay, so outside of the, the he here, um, I'm unclear as to what identified and zeroed in are doing separately here. You're, you're trying to add to the nefariousness. They didn't just identify her. They zeroed in on her. Presumably they zeroed in and then identified if we're going to use both of these separately. But fine. You know, you're you're putting out news copy. We don't have to worry about it so much. Security guards approach her in the lobby. Why? It was pretty simultaneous, I think, to me, going through the metal detector that I heard over an intercom or loudspeaker, Ms. Conlon said. I heard them say, woman with long, dark hair and a gray scarf. She said she was asked her name and to produce identification. I believe they said our recognition picked you up, Conlon said. Now, it's important to note this because we talked about the fact that The Verge comes out with attorney says that they think it's recognition. That's the only evidence you're going to get here. So much like a Johnny Depp, Amber Heard headline, we do have to go back here and I have to side with The Verge and say, uh, you don't you don't have this. You don't have this. Now, there's a bunch of circumstantial evidence suggestive of this. We'll talk about when we get to it in the article. But you don't actually have somebody saying that facial recognition tech caught her. And of course, facial recognition tech, which is legitimately scary, I understand why people get scared about it, is realistically just the technological version of hanging the pictures on the wall next to the security booth and for people to be checking it. Now, robots, scanning, algorithms, etc., can do a much better job of identifying the enemies of the state, if you will, for whether you're Madison Square Garden or whether you're a literal state. Uh, and so it, as it gets better, I think people are legitimately concerned about it. That's fair enough. But we do have to make sure we get the commentary right, because not even Ms. Conlon knows if recognition was used. And it's also notable that this is put forth in this article 
after she's asked to put her name and, and produce identification to the other party. So there's any number of ways that they could have her name. A sign says facial recognition is used as a security measure to ensure safety for guests and employees. Conlon says she posed no threat, but the guards still kicked her out with the explanation that they knew she was an attorney. Now, this is also playing fast and loose with what's actually happening here, uh, because as we will see, she's not just an attorney. She's in a firm that's actively involved in litigation against Madison Square Garden Entertainment. Uh, but here, as presented in this article, this is the kind of thing where as an attorney, I start to go, well, I suppose you could just identify every attorney in the Bar Association handbook or otherwise and just say no attorneys allowed. It would be interesting. Uh, but outside of specific categories in the United States as a as a rule of law, and those specific categories are probably the ones you know uh, and love. You're talking about uh, your, your uh, race, uh, your gender. Uh, your age to some extent in some capacities, other of the protected classes that we see so often with reference to the Civil Rights Act. Other than discrimination on those bases, you can discriminate, just the nature of separating into different parties and deciding not to provide business to some, um, generally speaking, as much as you want. Now, things get a little bit more complicated. We'll see in this article when you're licensed for certain things here, the uh, purveying of alcohol. Uh, but Generally speaking, private bodies can choose who they do business with. And it is possible, attorney is not a protected class, that someone could tune their facial recognition software to just be, you are kicked out because you're an attorney. Now, does that pre present certain issues under the law or at least the functioning of the law? Probably, because we don't want attorneys, ostensibly officers of the court looking for injustice, etc., uh, to be banned from locations. But I can tell you that I have certainly had interactions with people, doctors, other professionals uh, that treat me differently when they find out what my job is. Sometimes I want that. Sometimes I wear the hat uh, so that people know uh, without even asking me, uh, especially if I'm having some difficulty with their services and I want to make clear who I am. Um, but sometimes I don't uh, because I want to make sure that I actually do get treatment and things like that uh, and that they aren't concerned about me being a lawyer because people do get skittish about lawyers uh, even if I'm not a litigator which I'm not so this is too broad as we will see but it is the kind of sentence where you do the thought experiment you say could you just say this restaurant doesn't serve attorneys probably probably that's interesting in and of itself uh, so that's part of the substance here it's not just the facial recognition it's actually this notion of how much should private organizations with public accommodations, right? They're selling tickets. They're inviting members of the public, strangers, uh, in to do something at their location. How much should they be allowed to just pick a class? And does it change if it's, okay, everybody hates lawyers. That's easy. This is fine. Everybody hates lawyers. What if this sentence instead said, uh, the guards still kicked her out with the explanation that they knew she was a Democrat? Because political persuasion isn't a... Uh, isn't a protected class either. What kind of conversations do we have there, right? Because you can buy voter rolls. You can look at what people are voting on by party. People in a lot of different states have to vote in specific designated primaries. You could figure that out. You could associate it with public information and faces. You could put that in a facial recognition tag. And let's just say you're not Madison Square Garden. You're just Ricky Bob's diner and you say no Democrats. 
Do we have a problem with that? Thought experiments. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. What do you think, chat? Do you have a problem with people banning lawyers? Do you have people banning people based on political persuasion? What if I just really hated your golf score and I started associating and said, nobody, nobody that has a handicap of greater than four is allowed into my establishment. Maybe Rob could make that. Hogue couldn't. How do we feel about these kinds of things? I do declare, says the Heathers. I do declare. Absolutely. Probably good that they don't serve lawyers. I find them chewy. It seems like a fair lawyer joke. To serve man. Uh, the whole thing is ridiculous. Facial recognition is dangerous as well. They did a test in Massachusetts years ago, and it flagged three of the most squeaky clean Patriots plates and matched them to known criminals. Oh, there is no question that there are false positives as well as false negatives in the current tech. But we can assume that tech is going to get to a place that is pretty darn accurate. That is going to happen. What should be the limits, if any, on how it is used? I mean, we're getting into fun questions, right? This is, I'm an entrepreneur. I love tech. This is the kind of stuff that I talk with my clients about. What does that future look like? I love thinking about what does the structure look like? What does the law currently do? Law certainly doesn't say much of anything about banning specific professions, as if, for instance, uh, from your establishment. Should it say something about those things? We get into a lot of fun stuff. A lot of fun stuff. Stephanie says, we haven't gotten to it yet in this article, but I kind of get banning a lawyer who's involved in a lawsuit against them. Now, this lawyer isn't, but their law firm is. That gets a little bit nuanced. Law firms are pretty siloed uh, as a notion, and people can recognize that or not. Uh, but I, I worked at a law firm with hundreds of lawyers, and generally speaking, I was working in a specific working group with one or two of them at any given time on specific deals, and what everybody else was doing was essentially just whatever it is that they wanted to be doing. Firms exist so that you can kind of share uh, back office things and that you can have referral sources that can keep an in-network set of clients together, but they aren't this kind of team-based environment for the most part. Uh, so that is part of this, that firms are not the same as companies usually, uh, but it is interesting. Daniel says, I'm conservative, but that's terrible. Oh yeah, you can spin it around. I didn't I didn't mean to just use Democrat. You could say Libertarian. You could say Green Party. You could say Republican. You know, if if you could put that all together and then put it through a facial recognition, how do we feel about the local diner saying no Republicans? Now, I do think that you could call that out on Twitter. You could call that business uh, decision out, and maybe that would hurt the company. Maybe it would help it. You just don't know how these these things are going to go. But do we feel okay about companies being able to do that? Because on the one hand, you have private property rights. <clears throat> you have, from the entrepreneur's side, you have a company that is elected to bet its money, its capital, to go and put something out there. And generally speaking, they should get to choose who they want to serve with the contours of the law on the classes that we deem to be protected uh, in our statutes and constitution, right? But... Um, that clearly can get to a place where it feels icky, right? And where we, we have this notion that that feels a little bit wrong. Uh, and that to me is interesting. This is where thought experiments live. This is why I like having this show uh, is to talk with you all about this. Critical question asks Hill, what kind of food does Ricky Bob's diner serve? Uh, let's say it's the best diner food you've ever eaten. That uh, every 
omelet comes out fluffy and delicious. Every burger, juicy and awesome, flavorful and spicy. Every possible thing you can think of at Diner. Let's say it's the best ever. And they've just decided that one political persuasion or another is not allowed to enjoy the best diner food on earth. What do we think? Don't know. Do not know. <laughs> Daniel's just going to Domino's. Domino's Pizza, Ricky Bobby. Now, Domino's Pizza, of course, uh, is a company that was pretty much famously founded and run uh, by a very conservative, uh, very religious person. Uh, and uh, that didn't come out in their dom Domino's delivery, I don't believe, because pre predominantly it's going to be a bad business model. Uh, as Michael Jordan used to say, Republicans buy sneakers too, even if he was of democratic persuasion. And generally speaking, when you're going to sell a product into a marketplace, you don't want to alienate half or more than half of your audience. Uh, but we are, of course, getting into ever more uh, fractious environments in the political sphere. And it wouldn't surprise me if this is a question that has to get answered relatively soon. Relatively soon. Rephrase, if any food does Ricky Bobby's diner serve, what if any? <laughs> it's best food ever. Brett, I'm good with people kicking out lawyers. This checks out. I'm also good with lawyers saying, sorry, we do not take on clients that do not serve lawyers. LOL. Sure. I mean, well, that, all right, let's look at it from my perspective, right? I am constantly evaluating clients. Uh, I offer my services to the public in general. I have a website, I have a phone number, I have an email address. I'm on YouTube basically every day. Uh, and yet I'm still evaluating for a number of reasons. One of which is, can I do this job you want me to do? Because law is a big and vast field and I have to make sure I have enough competence and expertise to do the job under my ethical considerations. And so I'm evaluating that. But I'm also evaluating you know, how you're reacting to the questions I'm asking, what it is that uh, you are going to need what your timing commitments are, those kinds of things. And to judging whether you would be a good fit for my firm. Uh, because that's one of the reasons you go into solo practice is to go and to be able to control your book of business a little bit more. And so I'm constantly doing that. If you're interviewing with a the lawyer, they're interviewing you too, generally speaking. Uh, but I reserve the right to do that. I would never deign to think to block anyone based on basically any characteristic. It would always be about the substance, but you absolutely do have lawyers that are evaluating their potential clientele, just like this would be happening, but not on a blanket basis, hopefully. Good Lord, hopefully. Crazy Cat Queen says, I have a problem with exclusion, generally speaking, if the individual isn't causing a disruption because it's so subjective, but I can get that a private enterprise can at the moment do that legally. Yeah, it would be very tricky to strip that entirely uh, from a private individual, uh, because this is more obvious when we think about really small entrepreneurs, right? The, the, the family-run hardware shop just simply doesn't want to work with lawyers. Says, you know what? Lawyers are constantly loitering around trying to create or defend slip and fall accidents outside our store. They're nothing but trouble. They aren't welcome here. Basically, the same thing as no solicitors hanging on the door. Lawyers, you're not welcome. Uh, that you could see that that should be something they could potentially do. Uh, but when you add facial recognition, when you add AI technology, it gets to a place where I think I think the general intuition is that it feels a little bit wrong. Patrick says, I struggle with this. I know that it is the right of the business to refuse service. It does, however, feel unjust to ban someone because their job may require them to act against another company. Well, that is an aspect of this, right? I will tell you, working in firms, I did not have the right to pick and choose my clients or what I worked on. Uh, and in this case, you might think your firm is on the wrong side of things. 
That's not up to you. Uh, but this person isn't even working on any of the cases, at least as they claim, uh, that are against Madison Square Garden. And they are being punished for work that their their enterprise is doing that they have nothing to do with. That feels fundamentally unfair as well. Emily says, I guess I don't understand what the purpose of the ban is. They think that the lawyers are going to find some secret strategy information on watching the Rockettes. We'll actually talk about that. Madison Square Garden has advanced a number of different theories. As I said, the trick of this that wasn't picked up in many of the outlets is that this is not the first time this has happened uh, and that there are actually already legal conversations about this particular policy from the last month uh, that Reuters covered pretty well. So we're going to go into that a little bit. I just wanted to kind of get just wanted to get a, uh, a notion of the chat and how they're feeling. Britt Cormier uh, <laughs> asked the question, how did you miss it? Ricky Bobby's diner specializes in crepes. I get you. I get you, I get you, I get you. All right, let's, let's read a little bit more of this article. They knew my name before I told them. They knew the firm I was associated with before I told them. And they told me I was not allowed to be there. Conlin is an associate, so in legal parlance, that is not high level and certainly not deciding what their firm does, with the New Jersey-based law firm Davis, Saperstein, and Solomon, which for years has been involved in personal injury litigation against a restaurant venue now under the umbrella of MSG Entertainment. What's interesting there is that, at least by this language, it might be that their original claims against this restaurant uh, were not made against MSG, that MSG bought into this litigation and that might be on MSG. Uh, either way, they're currently involved in, in litigation as a firm against somebody that Madison Square Garden now owns. Conlon uh, says, I don't practice in New York. I'm not an attorney that works on any cases against MSG. Now, this is a little bit misleading insofar as you don't have to practice in New York to help your firm do something in New York. Uh, I'm not an attorney that works on any cases against MSG. It's more important. They're more pertinent. But MSG said she was banned nonetheless, along with fellow attorneys in that firm and others. Here's the big, long quote from their spokesperson. MSG instituted a straightforward policy that precludes attorneys pursuing active litigation against the company from attending events at our venues until that litigation has been resolved. While we understand this policy is disappointing to some, we cannot ignore the fact that litigation creates an inherently adverse environment. All impacted attorneys were notified of the policy, including Davis, Saperstein, and Solomon, which was notified twice. A spokesperson for MSG Entertainment said in a statement. Now, that's fine, maybe, but it also seems pretextual. As the comments just asked, what are they worried about here? This seems to be punishment, right? You're MSG. You're one of the biggest entertainment venue organizations in the world. And you're saying, all right, we're just not going to let the lawyers that are actively suing us in. And that sounds like a more personal position than a business position, right? And you can understand this, especially if we take it back to the family hardware store. Okay, there's a firm in town that's suing you. Say, all right, well, the people that are suing us are not allowed in, <laughs> right? And I think when you take it up to the size of Madison Square Garden, it starts to look worse. But at least from a legal perspective, philosophically, there's no real distinction to be made between the hardware store and Madison Square Gardens on, on a kind of rhetorical basis. Uh, so... It does appear like you could justify active litigation against us, uh, but it doesn't look great. And we'll see how some judges have responded to it in just a minute. Uh, or as the partner at the firm says, this whole scheme is a pretext for doing collective punishment on adversaries who would dare sue Madison Square Garden in their multi-billion dollar network. Lawyers, you're going to get a lot of litigation firm talk in the rest of this article. So he says, it's lies. 
It's lies. This whole courtroom's out of order. It's pretext. It's lawyer for lies. Uh, that they are lying because they're trying to punish our people for deigning to sue them. Perhaps. Other firms have sued over being blacklisted. Conlin said she thought a recent judge's order in one of those cases made it clear that ticket holders like her may not be denied entry to any shows. We will talk about that in just a second. Madison Square Garden stated, well, that in this particular situation, only the one attorney who chose to attend was denied entry. And the rest of her group, including the Girl Scouts, were all able to attend and enjoy the show. Now, one does pose the question, if this person were the only chaperone for a Girl Scout troop visit to Radio City Music Hall, what would they have done? I don't know. I was just a mom taking my daughter to see a Christmas show, Conlon told the I-Team. I did wait outside. It was embarrassing. It was mortifying. Davis is now upping the legal ante, challenging Madison Square Garden's license with the state liquor authority. This is litigators, folks. This is the this is angry New York litigators who says, okay, fine. We're going to get some press on this. We're going to challenge your ability to do business. The liquor license that MSG got requires them to admit members of the public unless there are people who would be disruptive who constitute a security threat, which is almost certainly a more high-level summary than the actual law requires. Taking a mother, separating a mother from her daughter and Girl Scouts, she was watching over, and to do it under the pretext of protecting any disclosure of litigation information, we'll get there, is absolutely absurd. The fact that they're using facial recognition to do this is frightening. It's un-American to do this. Can you just see Saul? Can you just see Saul Goodman with a waving American flag behind him? The giant inflatable Uncle Sam. How dare a Girl Scout mother? I'm relatively on their side on this, give or take. I'm a mixed minds, as you can tell. But it is just, it is amusing to me to, to listen to litigator puffery. But it's, it's un-American. I, I don't know. Uh, American history has a long, has a long and storied uh, one of, uh, of people using shotguns to keep other people out of their businesses. So we'll see. A spokesperson for MSG reiterated in a statement that safety is their highest priority and that facial recognition is just one of the methods they use. MSG Entertainment also said it is confident their policy is in compliance with all applicable laws, including the New York State Liquor Authority. So they're escalating things. I have to tell you, it makes me a little squeamish uh, when you take a license uh, that the government puts out to control things related to liquor purveying and try to attach it to some other behavior they're doing that's really kind of outside the realm of what we're talking about in order to have leverage uh, over a business like this one, right? You're looking for ways that you could potentially hurt them. That's how this litigation works. Uh, and by not allowing them to sell liquor at their venues, that would cripple a lot of their economics. Uh, so they have to take that seriously, but it's not the design of that licensing regime. Uh, and it is an imperfect fit. So we got two bullies bullying each other. Honestly, if that were all it is, we'd just say, all right, go nuts, New Yorkers. If anybody's watching from New York in the chat, sorry. But it is how it feels to me reading this article. It's like, yeah, okay, go go, go nuts, New Yorkers. Go hit each other in the face with lawsuits. Uh, but I do think it's interesting to discuss the exclusion concept. We don't have this facial recognition concept. So Rolling Stone goes a little bit too far here. Perceived adversaries, you know, if we're going to defend Madison Square Garden, this is an actual adversary. This is an actual law firm involved in active in investigation, uh, active litigation of their company. So it's not really perceived 
uh, but it is being used in a way that is a little bit uncomfortable, right? And they say it's for safety. It's not for safety. Uh, as we talk about these things, it's for their litigation protection. The Verge, like I said, rightly calls out that nobody has confirmed whether facial recognition was actually used here. Madison Square Garden says, we've always made it clear to our guests and to the public that we do use facial recognition as one of our tools, uh, but there isn't any indication that that actually was what brought her to their attention here. Probably is, but I do prefer the Verge's approach to say, hey, we don't actually know. It's possible there are other ways Conlon could have been identified through kind of normal measures. And then they pointed me to, as I was looking to prepare for this video, an article from the middle of last month, November 15, 2022, that says Madison Square Garden doubles down on plaintiff's lawyer ban even after it backfires. Now, we're not going to read this whole thing, but we are going to point out that it was very few outlets indeed that actually noticed that this was a thing that had been going on for a while. It takes a special kind of moxie, says Reuters, for a defendant to double down on the litigation tactic that the judge overseeing your case has described as the stupidest thing I've ever read. Now, interestingly, this is from the judge that actually was overseeing the Elon Musk Twitter, Twitter case that never wound up going to full trial. Uh, but it is interesting to see her name again in this context. On Tuesday, after trial judges in both New York State Supreme Court and Delaware Chancery Court, so the same level in both Delaware and New York, criticized a months-old Madison Square Garden policy to ban plaintiff's lawyers. So Madison Square Garden Entertainment was putting out these letters uh, who sued the company for any reason from attending events at any of their venues. Madison Square Garden sent out a new letter reinforcing this ban, which Reuters actually got a hold of the day before it put up this article. Here's Madison Square Garden Entertainment, their chief vice president in charge of legal, sending out uh, this particular uh, letter. It says, I write to follow up on the previous letter I sent to you, which informed you and all of your attorneys at your firm that because your law firm currently represents one or more plaintiffs in litigation against Madison Square Garden Entertainment, neither you nor any other attorney employed at your firm may enter company venues until final resolution of litigation. Now, I already talked to you about the fact that the hardware store not letting in lawyers that are suing them makes a certain amount of sense, makes a certain amount of intuition. But from a societal perspective, especially with an entity the size of Madison Square Garden, let us play the other side of the argument, as we lawyers do, right? And on that other side is, as a society, we want the judiciary, we want the role of justice to be able to act against large corporations. We want it to be able to have plaintiffs that are willing to sue. We want to have lawyers that are willing to represent those plaintiffs, and we want that to be functioning properly. Madison Square Garden, if we're going to give them the worst, least... Uh, least good standing, good faith argument uh, for their side is actively trying to prevent lawyers from engaging plaintiffs that are suing them. And that philosophically, that societally could be a problem. Now, is this a problem that's adequately addressed by the current laws? Maybe not. Uh, but in particular, with respect to the role of lawyer, because lawyers are out there ostensibly policing bad acts uh, from companies. They are officer of the court. They are part of this legal system. When you see something that talks about in a statute giving a private right of enforcement, the notion is, is that lawyers will have incentives to go and enforce things against these companies, that plaintiffs will have incentives to go ask for lawyers to enforce these things against companies. And now you have put your thumb on the other side of the scale, presumably because you're big enough that you think you'll have leverage with it. Hey, we, you can't see the Rockettes. Can you even take this plaintiff? And to the extent that you are doing that, punishing lawyers for pursuing justice, 
And again, I'm not going to speak to these lawsuits because I don't know anything about them. They could be ridiculous. These could be terrible plaintiffs law firms. I don't know them. Uh, but on its face, philosophically, having a company go and say, we are going to add negative incentives to even taking up the case rubs me the wrong way in the opposite direction, right? That that says, ooh, lawyers actually are a kind of special class because they're the ones that can police what your behavior is. And if you're trying to not allow that, well, I don't think that looks great. So this tone that they take in this letter, I think is a problem in and of itself. And I'm not gonna read this whole thing. They also go and say that the ticket to an MSG venue is a license revocable at will. The company has the legal right to revoke the license it grants to a ticket holder for any reason or no reason at all. Heck of a sales pitch, by the way, Madison Square Garden. You paid what for your ticket? We took it away. Okay. It hereby does so as to any tickets to Madison Square Garden venues acquired previously or acquired in the future by affected attorneys while the litigation that your firm brought against the company is pending. We have the right to revoke our tickets, and so we do so without a directed list, both now and in the future, in all circumstances. Okay. We'll see if that works. And the reason they put out this letter this way is because the cases that they are losing on this suggest that you can't just strip a ticket for the reasons that they have put forward here. Let's see if we can unzoom this a little bit. They send out this new letter. Uh, according to lead plaintiff Larry Hutcher, Frank's ruling allows lawyers from his firm to attend shows and concerts at Madison Square venues with tickets that have been obtained from resellers. Right, so Madison Square Garden didn't sell it to me. StubHub did. Or the person on the other end of the transaction that StubHub facilitated. Uh, they say, no, it's wherever you acquire it. However, it gets into your hands, we can kill it. In an interview on Tuesday, a longtime season ticket holder for the New York Knicks, this lawyer, quipped that in light of the team's record so far this season, I have a much better chance of enjoying a concert than a Knicks game. New Yorkers. Very sarcastic in all these quotes. Madison Square Garden disputes Hutcher's interpretation of the ruling. Monday's decision said that Madison Square Garden may revoke tickets held by the Hutcher lawyers unless the tickets are presented for entry. So we send out this letter that says everything's revoked everywhere. Uh, so don't try to present it for entry. This is the ruling, by the way, that we saw referenced in the earlier court case that where Conlin said, I thought they were told they can't do this. And honestly, a lawyer shouldn't be taking news reports uh, like this one and saying that means something under the law. But I, I don't know Ms. Conlin, so I can't tell you what her thinking was. In his decision on Monday, the New York judge rejected Madison Square Garden's purported justification of the ban as a way to assure that company employees would not accidentally reveal confidences to plaintiff's lawyers attending games or concerts. Now, if you are really concerned about a plaintiff's lawyer going and grilling your employees uh, during a concert or something along those lines, you could absolutely police that behaviorally. You could flag somebody and you could say, we're going to watch you when you're there. Uh, that's different from banning them, I would argue. It's a different in degree. Uh, so you could get into this fight legally and talking about these things at a court level. Uh, but I agree with the judge. It's just not realistic. What do you think the hot dog guy is going to know about your case in all likelihood? Nothing. And he goes further, the judge does, does to say there appears to be no rational basis for the policy instituted by the defendants, except to dissuade attorneys from bringing suit. This rational basis language are the magic words that you would use as a judge to indicate that it is a crazy argument.
generally speaking, when we use the phrase rational basis, the court is going to defer to any possible concept that could be rational from the party that is bringing it. It is used to determine what governments can do in the United States vis-a-vis -vis their constitutions. And so if you say there is no rational basis, you are saying it is crazier than most anything that you are likely to see uh, in that court system. This is big talk from a judge. Uh, now, Reuters says that's mild compared with the assessment of Chancellor Kathleen McCormick of the Delaware Chancery Court, uh, who is going through a different case. McCormick called the MSG ban on plaintiff's lawyers the stupidest thing I've ever read. It just seemed totally crazy. And it played into every single one of plaintiff's cases themes. So she's actually looking at a case among shareholders and things that are claiming that Madison Square Garden is a bully and likes to use their powers to bully others and to oppress the shareholders, et cetera, et cetera. There was a a litigator here who had the same story happen to them back in November, a lawyer from a different firm who's not involved in the litigation, was not aware of the ban, went to MSG for a music concert, was stopped, asked for her ID. They eventually told her per her sworn affidavit that they had used facial recognition software to identify her as a lawyer from a banned firm, and she was then ejected. McCormick ended up ruling that shareholders were not entitled to depose MSG's in-house lawyer, the ones that wrote this letter, that does these bans, but that plaintiff's lawyers had effectively won the battle from a kind of philosophical position by making her aware of the company's completely idiotic letter. And not just a completely idiotic letter, but idiotic stance. So you've got the judge saying, you are bullies. You are oppressing people. You are using your powers of rockets and kicks to try to prevent people from bringing lawsuits against you. This is an awful look for you, Madison Square Garden. And remember courts, unlike me, uh, who doesn't have any power on these things? Courts have equitable power. Courts have a power that is outside the bounds of the statutes and the laws where they can go and say, you guys are bad. You have unclean hands. You're bad people. We have a power of fairness, of justice in the court to go and make a decision based on you guys being bad. Uh, and it does look like this is the kind of thing that could result in that. But Madison Square Garden doubled down on it. The ban on plaintiff's firm, she said, seemed to display precisely the rude bullying approach that according to plaintiffs had tainted Madison Square Garden's restructuring and raised questions about whether they're meeting their fiduciary duties, drink, fiduciary duties, bingo. Uh, and, and this goes on and on and on. Uh, so we're not gonna go for the rest of this article, but this is a story of facial recognition tech, which is only gonna get better. This is a story of exclusion and when you should be allowed to do it. This is a story about lawyers and honestly, as this all comes together with all these reports, it's a story about a company in Madison Square Garden that appears to be one that has made a lot of enemies, and that might just include the justice system on the whole. So what do you all think in chat about this, right? We talked about it on a thought experiment level. Now let's talk about it on what is actually happening here. Do you think Madison Square Garden has a leg to stand on? Should they? Uh, should they be offending the judges? Should the judges be saying, hey, they're a private entity, they can decide what they want? on this kind of thing or something in between. Let me know as I catch up on these super chats. Uh, and then we will go on our merry way this Thursday morning, uh, preparing for a winter storm. I'm sure it has a name of some kind that I don't know uh, here in Michigan. Crazy Cat Queen, couldn't she challenge that decision based on Madison Square Garden allowing adversarial fans of Knicks or Rangers and they're more likely to be disruptive? The thing about that kind of argument in general is that parties don't need to treat disparate people the same. So your sense of justice, I think is accurate, crazy cat queen to say, well, 
they have a higher likelihood of having a safety issue. But do we need to governmentally require them to treat them as harshly as somebody else? No. Generally speaking, no. That's going to be in the ambit of their business judgment. We don't want to have the law or the judiciary saying, well, you should be viewing these as a bigger disruption than these, and et cetera, et cetera. You can use it as rhetoric. You can use it in your briefs. You can say that puts paid to the lie. This shows that it's pretext because there are people that dump beer on other people's heads at a Rangers game, and they aren't otherwise getting facially recognized and eliminated from the venue. Now, you don't know if that's the case. You'd want to be making sure you knew that that was the case when you presented an argument because they could be using facial recognition to keep beer throwing guy out of their venue. We don't know. Uh, but it's not really going to hold from a legal perspective because there just isn't an obligation to make the same judgments you would make, even if they might make sense to a lot of people. There's a broad leeway to decide on their own. Britt says, we all know people talk about the hot dog around the hot dog stand. Never underestimate the hot dog vendor's knowledge. All right. If you had to pick a vendor that is likely to spill the beans and has the most knowledge at a concert or sporting venue, to me, it's going to be the popcorn guy. I think it's the popcorn guy that's going to know the most. I mean, beer guy is the obvious answer. But I think that's a trick. I think that's a red herring. I think popcorn guy is the one that's really going to have their ear to the ground. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're right. You could potentially have it work. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, how likely is it? How reasonable is it for you to have that policy on that basis? And I think the judge rightly says it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Just because says this is someone who is communicated to about the ban who works with 24 other attorneys of whom at least one is working against MSG. Not unreasonable. They sent out letters, Rick. Uh, so they should know that the ban had happened. Now, okay. What if the firm didn't relay that ban because they thought it was ridiculous? It's possible that they did, but I'm, I'm here to tell you partners aren't always relaying the communications, even those that might be pertinent to the people that work at their firm. I'm sorry. Worked with a lot of great people, but law firms aren't always the most well-oiled machines, especially when it comes to communication. If she legitimately didn't know, if we could prove, if we could look into her mind and say, she was actually never told this. An email wasn't sent. The letter wasn't otherwise put forth to her. She legitimately didn't know this. And she was a chaperone for a Girl Scout trip, forced to wait outside in November in New York. Do we think that's fair? I'm okay with you saying you do. I, I think you could have a, a space you can carve out and say Madison Square Garden gets to pick who it serves and it's okay for them to not serve law firms that are suing them. I, I think you can carve that position out. Uh, I disagree with it, I think, uh, but I think it's a, a fair position for someone to have. But what if she legitimately didn't know? I don't know that you can just impute this letter, which I will admit sounds crazy, uh, that comes into the senior partner at the firm and say that the message was delivered to associates, especially if you really want to get nefarious, especially if the partners want an associate to have this happen to them and get in the news this way. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. Mav, what about paralegals? Can firms send them to grill the concessions workers? Uh, it says attorneys, right? The letter, let's see if we can pull that back up. Um, what, uh, what does the letter say? Uh, you and all attorneys at your firm are banned. So paralegals are cool. Yeah. Paralegals are okay. I think on this score. So maybe you can get the paralegals in, you can give them the questions they need to ask. Generally speaking, even in litigation, attorneys and paralegals are not, regardless of what you might've seen on TV or in video games, 
doing the detective work on all this stuff and at venues. They're doing depositions, certainly. They're recording information. They're going through documents, uh, but they aren't generally out there hitting the streets on this stuff. Uh, they do have detectives that do that for them. I'm almost positive that a plaintiff's litigation firm that works on injury stuff against places like Madison Square Garden has detectives on retainer. I'm almost positive. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you can set the paralegals. Give it, give it your best shot. Uh, just because there's also an unknown such as how many suits are active with this firm. Is she directly litigated with them in the past? Does she have a reputation as a litigator? I don't know. I mean, reputation about what? I, I think that you can justify the argument on the basis of private control of private property. I think you're getting into specific trouble with lawyers as a class because they are the ones that are supposed to be doing these private enforcements. And if you are doing something to prevent them from taking on plaintiffs based on something that is tangential to that work as an attempted punishment, which I think is how these judges are reading it, and I think accurately, then I think you're going to get into trouble. I think you're going to get into trouble long run. But yeah, you can ask these questions about this specific person. We can only go on what Madison Square Garden has said, which is that she works at this firm. She says she doesn't work at any Madison Square Garden stuff. Madison Square Garden has said that all your attorneys are kicked out regardless of what they're working on. So we have no reason to disbelieve any aspect of this. She doesn't have to be working on the thing to get rejected, uh, right? So it's an interesting question. Britt says, I will point to the evidence that early law and order always shows people getting hot dogs or coffee and talking about the case. Both cops and lawyers do it. I rest my case and uh, don't at me uncivil law. Oh, is uncivil law in the chat? Hey, uncivil. Hey, Kurt. Um, Yes. Well, that's exactly right. I actually only do all of my legal thinking in a walk and talk on the streets of New York. Ironically enough, I fly out there uh, and I just walk past various parks uh, and, and eat hot dogs. And then kind of my conversations never really end. They just fade out as I turn corners. It's the weirdest thing, uh, but that is how I do my legal thinking. So you're absolutely right, Britt. You're absolutely right. All right. What else uh, do we have as thought? Uh, lawyers is a protected class. Kurt wants to be a protected class. I don't think you can make a civil rights protected class case for lawyers. I do think you can make a uh, interests of justice type case, public policy type case uh, that says lawyers and probably others uh, related to justice uh, can can be looked at and said, you should not be putting your thumb on the scales with respect to the people that are designed to uh, keep you on the straight and narrow and make you an honest broker uh, in, in corporate parlance. So I think you could make that case. Uh, Jinx Kitty says hardware store versus Madison Square Garden. How big is too big to prohibit people from patronage of the venue? Well, in all honesty, I don't think size should actually be a, a consideration here. I'm talking about how we feel about it as human beings, that we're far more likely to be okay with the family hardware store saying, I'm not letting the lawyers in who are suing me than Madison Square Garden, which has so many intellectual properties and so many different things that, you know, you're going to Radio City Music Hall to watch the Rockettes. No aspect of that other than the corporate structure relates to your firm uh, suing a restaurant venue for a uh, an injury claim. So once you get big enough and you get separated enough in what you do, I do think there has to be some kind of attachment to what it is that you are actually blocking to have even that kind of sense of justice in the back of our heads. Right? The hardware store has the one hardware store. They're being sued for something that happened at that hardware store. It all kind of works together for, I don't want to sell you tools. Okay, great. Madison Square Garden being a multinational conglomerate thing says, I got a restaurant in some other city 
that you're suing over because someone slipped and fell uh, and you're not allowed to see the Rockettes at Radio City Music Hall, it strikes you as attenuated, right? That does start to look more like punishment than legitimate concern or even emotionality. And I don't even allow big corporations to be emotional, but it doesn't have that kind of connection. It seems to be ridiculous. And so the judges that we saw in the Reuters article, I am sympathetic to that position. You seem, you're being accused of being bullying and doing things that don't relate to your fiduciary duties. And you put this letter out. Bad idea, Jeans. Uh, Kellara Temi says, hotels fly customers who have brought prior lawsuits or were caught grifting. Sure. There's a host of institutions that have lists of people that did something directly against them that they say aren't allowed. I mean, right? The casinos are undoubtedly using facial recognition to keep card counters off their floor. Uh, and that's because they don't want them there. It's not because card counting is illegal. And that's up to them. They have that right to prevent people from getting there. When you start to separate out into the justice system and then you start applying that to people that aren't the ones that did the thing because they're connected to a different organization, you start to really get further and further afield. Uh, and so, yes, if you want to tell me the team that's actively suing you that you see in court every day or on depositions, uh, you want to keep out of your venues. I think you've got a better case than random associate lady uh, who uh, isn't involved in these cases. Now, could she be not telling the whole truth? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, could there be a way in which you use associates to get around these kinds of things uh, in the future if we go the other direction? Yes. Uh, but we have to kind of make these choices in uh, broad strokes and say, is this something we're okay with from Madison Square Garden? I don't know. I'm of the persuasion that generally says you should be allowed to not service people with your work uh, or your goods if you choose to. Uh, but this this runs pretty close uh, to, to problematic for me. So I'm very interested in this conversation. I love having it with you all. All right, folks, since my voice has given up and I have streamed for something like nine hours in the last... I don't even know, 20. Uh, I do want to bid you adieu uh, this morning. I think we'll have a Hangouts and Headlines tomorrow. I'm not positive what our power situation will be tomorrow morning. So hang on for that. If I wind up having to change it, I will try to put a post both in the community post and Twitter, uh, suggesting that that might not happen if it does. I have told folks this, but if for some reason we don't have any more videos from uh, now until the weekend, there won't be any uh, videos, at least nothing new, if I put some clips up, I never know. Uh, on Monday, the 26th, uh, we essentially have a board game, video game, Lego building day after Christmas with the family. It's one of my favorite days of the year. So we'll be doing that instead. Hopefully you have some awesome holiday traditions uh, and that everybody travels safe today. Please do be careful out there. It's a mess across the country. Uh, but I want to say thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate it. Almost 600 of you in the chat. You want to give a like on your way out if you like this content. I'll really appreciate it. And do look out for more chinchilla clips and shorts uh, coming pretty soon because they are awesome and they are making me things faster than I can even keep up. So for folks that joined me in virtual reality yesterday, check that out. Uh, my video game podcast with the, the Thabto. You got four and a half hours of content there. Thank you for joining me this morning. And I will see you on the next episode of whatever we wind up doing on the Hoglaw YouTube channel. Have a great day, everybody.